be advised, Blue Rose Task Force is filled with secrets and spoilers. Welcome to the Blue Rose Task Force podcast, where we look deeply into Twin Peaks as a whole, one episode at a time, using the full scope of the show Twin Peaks and all its official media. We don't use the word canon, but we consider all official releases important because Lynch and Frost have approved their presence. And we welcome all input into the collective consciousness that is the Twin Peaks community and wider universe. This podcast is a watch-along podcast for those who've seen all of Twin Peaks, including the third season, which we do consider as we go along. But today we are looking at the music of Twin Peaks in the original series, issued on various releases and formats over the years between 1990 and 2012. I'm your host, John. So this episode is going to be a little bit more abstract than pretty much any of the other ones we've done up to this point, but we still have questions that we're going to start with and that we're going to focus on throughout this episode. The first one is, what does the music's circular nature contribute to the show? Then what motifs are used with which different characters and instruments, and what do the associations add? And... How do David Lynch's lyrics steer the tone of the music? And per usual, before we get to those questions, we're going to look a little bit into the background information that we have on the music of Twin Peaks. So Angelo Badalamente is the main composer for this. I mean, you know, he has help from Julie Cruz and he has help from David Lynch, but, you know, he, he's the main instrumentalist. Oh, and he, of course, he has help from his band members, too. It is a group effort, but Battlemente is the guy who kind of sews it all together. So he grew up in New York, and he got a master's degree in composition, French horn, and piano from Manhattan School of Music in 1960. He wrote some R&B and soul pop songs in the 1960s, and he got into film scores since at least the 1970s. And um, he came up on Lynch's radar when Blue Velvet producer Fred Caruso recommended Battlemente to Lynch to help Isabella Rossellini with singing lessons for her role. And, you know, her voice is in a particular range. I mean, she's an actor more than she ever has been a singer. So, you know, um, the training just wasn't there to get too far outside of her natural range. And what Badalamente did is instead of giving her lessons, he worked around her range and he ended up arranging the song she was supposed to sing to Rosalini's voice instead. And that began his working relationship with David Lynch. And not to mention the fact that that's how Badalamente got the job of scoring the entire film. And that's how they started designing the song Mysteries of Love. 
which brought in Julie Cruz. And usually she's a belter at that point. You know, she's a regular uh, touring member of the B-52s and she would sub in for the ladies if like they needed to leave for a while or anything. And that kind of voice is not what we think of for Julie Cruz. I mean, she had to change her entire style and become the voice that we all know. The same way that Battlemente changed his own sensibilities to be the composer we all know with Lynch, because it all starts from trying to create this impressionistic music from Lynch's sensibilities. In the 33 and a third book, Soundtrack from Twin Peaks by Claire Nina Norelli, Lynch's instructions to Battlemente is basically, make it like wind. It should be a song that floats on the sea of time. Make it cosmic. And Adelmente initially had trouble getting there with Lynch. I mean, the the Lynch the the lyrics that Lynch brought him were you know, per per Norelli in the book a few abstract lines of poetry with no discernible rhyme or hook. But Adelmente leaned into it. And it really did start working. And then he and Lynch and Cruz continued to work beyond their time on Blue Velvet. And um, it ended up so that Mysteries of Love became included on a full-length album of hers called Floating Into the Night. And that album actually includes Falling, Rockin' Back Inside My Heart, Into the Night, the Nightingale, and The World Spins, all of which will feature in Industrial Symphony Number no. 1 sooner than later, and, of course, episodes of Twin Peaks. And with that album being completed, Lynch knew right away that Falling was going to be the theme for Twin Peaks when he and Frost got that greenlit. So that's kind of the how, but how Lynch and Battlemente and Julie Cruz started working together. Um, how that album got made, Battlemente basically worked with session musicians in New York on the East Coast, way away from Los Angeles where the show was being made. It's in a little studio called Excalibur, and uh, the engineer is Artie Palamas, who described his studio as a spooky building with foreboding lobby, and um, he intentionally kept a dark in there for the vibe. Now, the session musicians the Battlemente liked working with, there's Grady Tate, who made all those swishy drums that we all love. Yeah, I mean, he he's kind of responsible for all of that. And then there's Vinnie Bell on a down-tuned uh, set of guitars. Ron Carter played the bass. Al Regney played tenor sax. And Kenny Landron played all the synths. And Landron is the guy who pitched down a Dwayne Eddy sample. But yeah, Dwayne Eddy has this very particular sound, and it kind of got replicated with the guitar that we hear in Falling. So yeah, and and of course, you know, that in in more than just the theme. Of, and uh, Landron also introduced the finger snaps because he found out that Bamer and Tamlin were going to be on the show. And, you know, of course, he wanted to reference West Side Story with that. And, you know, he basically said, you know, it's like, just just try it once. If it sucks, just get rid of it, whatever. And it ended up being like one of the essential ingredients of the music. So uh, thanks, Kenny Landron. I, I mentioned the songs that were on the Julie Cruz album that are used in the show. But as far as most of the instrumental stuff, it's made from this stuff that uh, Lynch and Battlemente called firewood. You know, they're, they're pieces, uh, segments of songs. 
You know, Badalamente made the elements to be used and mixed and assembled and layered by the directors as they want. He, he said different combinations of the composite instruments. So, yeah, most of these pieces of firewood were in C minor key, which is why they work so well being collaged together, no matter which one goes with which. And these assembled pieces of firewood, you can kind of see how they got put together on the soundtrack, even like the the original soundtrack, uh, it makes me think of uh, you know the Bookhouse Boys and Nightlife in Twin Peaks. They were definitely made from these pieces, and uh, you know it, it wouldn't just be putting them together. It would be like uh, you know Lynch. He would slow them down and uh, mix them in reversed, and you know <laughs> all kinds of other crazy sound design stuff that Lynch, of course, would come up with. Yeah, every episode, it would be up to the directors to use the firewood the way that they want to as well. And um, Lori Eschler, she's the one on staff who knew the firewood sound library better than anyone and worked with all the directors to find the right elements that they were looking for for the right moments. In some cases, songs are fully formed and then they become pieces of firewood. You know, there's the famous story that Battlemente loves to tell. I mean, you can find the story on YouTube at this point. But yeah, Battlemente talks about how the Laura, Laura Palmer's theme came to life. You know, he's sitting at a keyboard and Lynch is behind him whispering things in his ear about being inside a darkened forest. And he says, get me into that beautiful darkness with the soft wind. And Battlemente plays this ominous piano. He vamped until... Uh, Lynch described the appearance of a lonely girl, and Battlemente started ascending with chords. And um, you know, he closed his eyes and he's soaring, and then um, you know, then he starts coming down and down and down. And Battlemente hears Lynch get up, and he comes around and. He wraps his arms around Battlemente and says, Angelo, that's Twin Peaks. And, you know, I completely butchered it because I wasn't trying to retell it. I mean, it's it's really good. I recommend you looking it up. It'll give you chills. But, yeah, I mean, it was basically just him and Lynch vamping their way through. But it had all these parts that became four sound cues within the show. And, um, you know, there's the dark introduction, which is the you know that 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 part um and that's the part that ends up surviving beyond episode 16 even after the love part of the laura palmer theme comes in you know like when it starts to soar is when the the part that's um also played by flute on love theme of twin peaks that track that's the part that's the love theme and, you know, then there's the climb part before it gets into that key change and then the climax, too. So, yeah, dark introduction, love, climb, climax. And those four pieces could be used any way they want to within Twin Peaks, and they absolutely were. And, yeah, that's that's pretty much how all the pieces of firewood were used. It's just, you know, a little bit more noteworthy because that came from a fully uh, created song. And then got reverse engineered into firewood. Well, yeah, so the sound library was made. There were a couple pieces that would get made in an individual episode. Yeah, not very many. Just like every once in a while, like one or two, I think, Battlemente said he did per episode. 
But yeah, the um, the music is one of the most noteworthy parts of Twin Peaks when it came out, and it really captured people's ears. To, to frame it in what was happening in 1990, when season one was debuting, you know, April 8th of 1990, We've got nothing compares to you all over the radio at the time, which is really apropos knowing how Sinead O'Connor had a lot in common with Laura Palmer early in her life. And O'Connor survived her childhood, and she was able to become an advocate for those who needed it, which is a role that she played regardless of, you know, her expected career moves or how big her career got. She's a lot like fully realized light from Laura. And it's really neat that her song was like a huge hit at the time. I mean, okay, yeah, Prince wrote it. I get it. But she's the one who performed it. And it's really neat that she was the one, you know, at the top of the Billboard charts when Twin Peaks came out. As far as that summer, you know, Pretty Woman was a big movie. And it was pretty much the talk of anything <laughs> for a while. And It Must Have Been Love by Roxette was all over the radio that summer, as was uh, Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory, which was on the Young Guns 2 soundtrack. Other big hits at the time, Madonna's Vogue. It came out a year after Like a Prayer. Uh, we had a whole bunch of singles from Belle Biv DeVoe, Poison. MC Hammer's Can't Touch This was out there. And um, New Kids on the Block followed up their first big album with uh, with their next one. And the first big single of that was Step by Step. Uh, D-Light put out Groove is in the Heart. LL Cool J had Mama Said Knock You Out, Digital Underground had The Humpty Dance, Vanilla Ice, of course, had Ice Ice Baby when season two was coming in the gear. Wilson Phillips debuted with a few hits that were absolutely everywhere, good lord. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had a movie that had a soundtrack that all my ca- that, that all the kids my age were absolutely into. But the most omnipresent album from that day was Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, 1814, where, I mean, oh, over, I, I think over half the album was released as singles on the radio over the course of that year. And uh, oh, yeah. And then, of course, Mariah Carey's first album lit everyone on fire. And um, Depeche Mode's Violator came out that year, too. To I mean, it, it was a softer launch at the time. Like, I didn't even know about it for probably two years or something. But um, it's absolutely timeless and you know that it it had staying power longer than pretty much any of the other ones that i just talked about i mean it never left the airways for over a decade you know where most of this other stuff kind of faded away or at least took a break but yeah like other than that like their dance music was making a big shift at that time too I and mean, cnc music factory and black box were getting a whole bunch of airplay around the same time that the killer reveal was happening so like this is like what normal people, quote-unquote, are listening to (laughs) when Twin Peaks is happening. So, like, that's just another way of showing just how alien Twin Peaks is compared to anything else that was happening at the time. But, yeah, as far as um, the first batch of music we were able to get as music all by itself, it was the soundtrack to Twin Peaks, which was released on September 11th of 1990. It was a few weeks before Season 2 kicked in. And it debuted at number 72 on the Billboard 200 chart of albums. Though um, what's really interesting with this with this music is that the ratings were really starting to slip, you know, as as season two kept going. And like, you know, the TV viewing was was going down. But right before the killer reveal is when the album 
decided to peak at its highest, and it made it up to number 22 on the Billboard 200. As far as why it actually exists in the first place is because Warner Brothers didn't have it on the schedule, but then they fast-tracked it because radio stations were starting to bootleg the theme song and playing it anyway without any kind of release from Warner. And yeah, so they're like, you know, we need to make money on this if they're doing it anyway. So um, yeah, we get Twin Peaks theme. We get Laura Palmer's theme, Audrey's Dance, The Nightingale, Freshly Squeezed, The Bookhouse Boys, Into the Night. And then that's where side A on the cassette ended. And then Nightlife in Twin Peaks or Into the Night is the first track on side B when you have to flip it over because there's just not enough room on a on a cassette tape. Yeah, Into the Night, Nightlife on Twin Peaks, Nightlife in Twin Peaks, Dance of the Dream Man, Love Theme from Twin Peaks and Falling is on side B. You know, both both the CD and cassette versions came with this fold out liner notes that ended up showing headshots of most of the characters, even including Bob, that I poured over. You know, I I'm, I memorized like who was where and everything. I tried to, you know, not make eye contact with the Bob square, uh, all that stuff. It's it's really excellent liner notes. And, um, you know, it just gave credit of like who performed on what song. And yeah, I mean, it, it's just it was perfect for someone who couldn't really rewatch the show a lot because, you know, before streaming and video releases, you just kind of, you know, if you, if you didn't record it on your VCR, you're just out of luck. So like this was my way of connecting with the show between 1990 and 1995 when I finally saw it again on Bravo. Yeah, so besides that soundtrack, which focused on season one of Twin Peaks, you know, the Julie Cruz albums, you know, there, there are two albums, Floating Into the Night, which I mentioned, that came out a year before Twin Peaks did. And then The Voice of Love, that came out in, I believe it was 1993. It was either 92 or 93. Of course, I don't write down that detail. Why would I? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, either way, it was it was after Firewalk With Me came out when it happened. And that contained, you know, among other songs, it contained a version of Audrey's Prayer titled Questions in a World of Blue that had Julie Cruz's lyrics on it. And that song ended up appearing on the Fire Walk With Me soundtrack, which I'm not going to talk about the Fire Walk With Me soundtrack specifically because I'm going to talk about it as I'm talking about the movie. But that soundtrack also included the not in the movie, but finally released anyway because it's so damn good, Sycamore Trees, as sung by Jimmy Scott. So that's how I finally got that song. Then in 2007... We finally got Twin Peaks Music Season 2 and more, which was released in, as I said, 2007. It was on CD with a cover that is just absolutely a knockout. It's worth looking up right now and ogling over, I promise. But yeah, I mean, 2007, like the, the music from Season 2, it seemed like it was never going to release or see the light of day. I mean, I guess what happened was it was either in conjunction with or due to the success of the Definitive Gold Box Edition DVD set that came out the year before this. And for the list of tracks, if you if you put it in a CD player and you hit rewind on track one, it actually plays, um, I believe, oh, shoot, um, it was backward talking, I think. Um, either way, I mean, it's a really quick little message that was just like crazy. Like, I didn't even know you could rewind track one. Like, they could program it to play 
you know, after it officially began, but whatever, whatever they did with the engineering and that was a neat touch. But uh, it started out with love theme intro, which involved uh, swishy drums, creepy clarinet and piano. And then, you know, the the typical um, dark, dark introduction section of the Laura Palmer theme. And then it goes into tracks called Shelley, New Shoes, High School Swing. Hayward Boogie, which is what Alicia Witt played at the end of the season two premiere credits. Blue Frank, Audrey's Prayer, I'm Hurt Bad, which is the one that Bobby played on the jukebox when he says, I'll see you in my dreams. Cop Beat, Harold's Theme, Barbershop, Night Bells, Just You, which is kind of crazy to think that that hadn't been released before now somehow. Uh, Drug Deal Blues, Audrey, Josie and Truman, Hook Rug Dance, Packard's Vibration, Half Heart, Laura's Dark Boogie, Dark Mood Woods slash The Red Room, which I was absolutely thrilled to finally have a copy of. I mean, I, I don't even know how many times I listened to Dark Mood Woods. And then after that, it ended on Love Theme Farewell, which, you know, it, it's kind of a redux of the intro song. Um you know, more more uh, bookends just to kind of frame things in a vibe. And I'll mention here, Blue Frank, Half Heart and Laura's Dark Boogie are from Fire Walk With Me, but included here anyway. They are the and more in the uh, title of the album. <laughs> and I assume it's kind of like how Sycamore Trees got included on the Fire Walk With Me album, even though it wasn't part of actual film. It's because, you know, it's like these tracks are too cool to leave off. And, you know, they they need to they need to be here for the fans. And honestly, I thought that was it. You know, I thought I figured by the end of 2007, like, you know, it's like, OK, we got some season two music. We got the pilot on the DVD set. Finally, that's going to be it. Right. No. In in March of 2011, Battlemente and Lynch decide to start releasing the firewood, the actual individual pieces that they used to make all the music with piece by piece, week by week on Lynch's website. And I mean, they're, they're they're digitally released. Sometimes it's one track. Sometimes it's packs of songs in in formats like you could you could choose whether it's an MP3 or lossless or you know whatever else. But like, it's crazy. Like I never in my wildest dreams would I think anybody be crazy enough to just release these little bits and pieces. But I am so glad that they did. I mean, you can find it on YouTube these days because i don't think they're officially for sale anywhere but yeah youtube has like you can you can find like the entire chunk of them it's like over over two hours for sure for all of them so yeah some are from firewalk with me some are even from on the air the uh, the sitcom that came out the uh, the year after twin peaks but yeah there's they released over 200 tracks and it took there were 53 weekly bundles with, uh, you know, a couple of weeks off for the winter holidays. I think they took like a full month's worth of weeks off around then. But um, yeah, weekly. The The first one they started with was Deer Meadow Shuffle, where there was two versions of it. Um, that's from Firewalk With Me. Then they did Just You, instrumental baritone guitar, which was a single track. And it's just what it sounds like. Twin Peaks theme alternate version was the next one. It was just a single track. Next week, another single track, Annie and Cooper, which is an interesting deal. I don't even know what to make of that one. 
And after that, there's a uh, firewalk with me entry, night sea wind. But then, you know, we're still we're still working on single tracks only being released. And the next one was freshly squeezed bass clarinet, which is my favorite version of freshly squeezed ever used in the show. Like I love it with that that deep that deep resonant version of freshly squeezed that the the bass clarinet did. I you you might not think about it automatically, but when you hear it, you know that something sassy is going on and it's just a lot of fun um yeah yeah favorite track but yeah then we get our first bundle with three tracks of twin peaks theme nostalgia version so yeah we get the nostalgia version we get harp and guitar and then we get solo roads which is that that synth keyboard Another Firewalk With Me entry is next, Mysterioso number two. And there's four tracks where there's there's four tracks there. I'll talk more about that in Firewalk With Me. Next bundle is Love Theme from Twin Peaks, alternate version. And there's that. And then there's also a solo Rhodes version of it. And, um, you know, again, the sense. Then the next bundle is Americana. And it has Americana. And then it has James Hurley, in parentheses, outtake. Then there's a big one, the Double R Diner Bundle. There's seven tracks in this one. There's Mr. Snooty, which um, is definitely Dick Tremaine related. Uh, freshly squeezed, fast, cool jazz version. Picking on Country, I'm Hurt Bad, Industrial Symphony Number no. 1 version. Western Ballad, Preparing for MT Once, Secret County. Week after that, we got Dark Moon Woods full version, where it's one track that doesn't go into that jazzy music. So, like, I could literally just press repeat on this one, and it would loop only the Dark Moon Woods part. And uh, oh man, the the vibes I got into with this one was amazing. Um, next week was Double R Swing, which was a single track. That's what it sounds like. Then after that, we get Great Northern Piano Bundle, which has Great Northern Piano Tunes numbers one and two. Number two, in parentheses, Truman and Josie. Number three, and Twin Peaks Solo Piano. Next track is Girl Talk, which is two tracks from Firewalk With Me. Next bundle is Audrey's Prayer, synth version. So, yeah, I mean, the two tracks are, you know, the, the synth version and then clarinet and synth. The next bundle is exactly what it says it is, which is the Norwegians, Sneaky Audrey, Freshly Squeezed, Solo Vibraphone. Bundle after that is Miss Twin Peaks Bundle, which has five tracks. It has the piano rehearsal version of the theme. It has the Miss Twin Peaks theme, uh, Lana's dance and Lucy's dance and uh, Miss Twin Peaks, the finale. So like, yeah, if you uh, <laughs> if you want to get a little, uh, you know, old school Hollywood award show vibes going, you know, these are the tracks you want. Next one after that is Sycamore Trees, instrumental. And there's only one track. And it's the instrumental side of Sycamore Trees, except you can still hear Jimmy Scott on it. <laughs> you know, like he, he's he's like way back in the mix, like being picked up by the by the microphones, like outside of his own little cordoned off sound area. That's how much of a belter he was uh, for this one. And you get Dr. Jacoby bundle, which has South Sea Dream, Hula Hoopin and Love Theme, Piano and Rhodes. 
So these are all songs that played in his office, either the stuff on his own sound system or probably when he was um, when he was um, laughing and crying by his coconut. Next week, they released Owl Cave, which is one track only. And it's the uh, the chimey one that you hear, like whenever they're talking about mysterious stuff in Owl Cave. But then we get some of the stuff that Lynch probably decided to design, the uh, the Slow Speed Orchestra Bundle number one. And there's six tracks here. And um, Slow Speed Orchestra number one, in parentheses, 24 hours. Number two, in parentheses, Unease Motif slash The Woods. Three, parentheses, Black Lodge Rumble. And then there's Half Speed Orchestra number one, which is a little bit different than, you know, it, it's slowed down by half rather than whatever slow was slowed down at. Um, half Speed Orchestra number one, which is in parentheses, stare music slash danger theme. I assume that's the kind of stuff that would rumble when we're looking at the Palmer uh, Palmer House ceiling fan. Two, in parentheses, dark forces. And three, in parentheses, Wyndham Earl's motif. Next release is James Visits Laura, which is just one track, and I assume from Firewalk With Me. Then we get five tracks in Diary Bundle. So we get Harold's theme, in parentheses, The Living Novels, comma, Josie's Past. Then Laura Palmer theme, in parentheses, Ethereal Pad Version. Then there's Laura Palmer theme, Ghost Version. And Laura Palmer theme, Guardian Angel Version. Then we get Dance of the Dream Man solo sax, which is the next week's release. It's only the one track. Next week is solo percussion bundle, where there's four total tracks. Solo, solo percussion numbers one and two, in parentheses for two, Grady's Waltz, three. And then we get Audrey's Dance, Percussion, and Clarinets for the last one. One after that is Northwest Gulch. It's a single track, as named. Week after that is Dance of the Dream Man Bundle, where we get five tracks uh, in just different versions with parentheses for drums and bass, solo clarinet, solo clarinet two, uh, multiple takes from the same instrument. They both turned out to be fun enough to keep, I guess. Uh, solo flute and solo bass. Week after that, we get Just You, in parentheses, instrumental. And that's just the one track. It's exactly what it sounds like. And we get two tracks on the next release, Bookhouse Boys, which is the Bookhouse Boys and the Bookhouse Boys, in parentheses, solo guitar. And then we get a great bundle here, Unreleased Themes Bundle. I was really excited to see this one come out. And then, you know, just to finally figure out what Hank's theme was, because we get Hank's theme version two, Earl's theme, Hank's theme. Invitation to Love Bumper, Half Speed Orchestra 5, which is Leo's theme, Invitation to Love theme, Invitation to Love, Lover's Dilemma, then Lana's theme, Horn's theme, also known as Josie's Web, and Wheeler's theme. And the week after that, they just keep it rolling with a freshly squeezed bundle, which had nine tracks. There's complete version, clarinet, flute, Mid-tempo version, fast cool jazz version two, fast cool jazz solo bass, solo bass clarinet, solo clarinet, and solo flute. 
Week after that, we got the Mill Deal. So there's three tracks on that one. The Mill Deal, Josie and Jonathan, and The Mill Fire, which is that crazy action drama kind of song that's like way out of regular uh, Twin Peaks motifs. And that one got used in the season one finale. After that, there's a 10-track Fire Walk With Me bundle, which I'm not going to talk about right now. And to close out that year, they uh, they ended on Dark Mood Woods studio version, which had three tracks in it. It had Dark Mood Woods studio version, which is a little bit shorter, I believe, than the uh, the one that they released a little bit earlier. And also One-Eyed Jack's Parlor Music, which is kind of... More more along the lines of like, you know, the double R music almost with, you know, the countrified stuff and Twin Peaks Christmas Greeting, which they used in some of the commercials. It's basically the theme with a couple of jingle bells uh, going off in the background. But yeah, then they took off for Christmas break and they were back again in January, middle of January with Dance of the Dream Man, Fast Soprano Clarinet which had three tracks. You know, the first one was the same as the bundle title. Then it had Laura Palmer theme, baritone guitar punctuation, and Leo Returns. Next week was Laura Palmer's theme bundle, which had 15 tracks in it. It had Laura Palmer's theme, dark synth, then solo piano, vibraphone, letter from Harold, Caroline, clarinet bridge, clarinet strings bridge, Piano Bridge, Piano A takes one through five, and Piano B takes one and two. So yeah, there's a Caroline version. Ah! <laughs> yeah, for a long time, I thought that you know, they weren't using Laura Palmer's theme in the rest of the season, but they're really only using bits and pieces of it, and it's never, it's never the whole thing ever again. But I'm glad that it sneaks in, and I'm glad that it's associated with another woman that Cooper couldn't save. After that week, we got Abstract Mood, which had Abstract Mood and Abstract Mood Slow Version. And the week after this was just like, this was a good one for me. It's called White Lodge Rumble. And it only had the one track, and it basically is Slow Speed Orchestra 4, White Lodge Rumble. So, you know, that's the music when when the giant appears before Cooper in the season two premiere. Finally got that track, that ambience. Ah. Week after that, we got Harold's Theme slash Audrey's Prayer as the next bundle, and it's just those two tracks. Harold's Theme, Harpsichord, and Audrey's Prayer, Flute. And the week after that, we got Audrey's Dance slash Sneaky Audrey Bundle. And there's 11 tracks in here, and they're all classically fun. We got Audrey's Dance Clean, Drums and Bass, Solo Roads, Synth and Vibraphone, Clean Fast, and then Audrey's Dance slash Dance of the Dream Man, Saxophone, Audrey's Dance slash Dance of the Dream Man, Clarinet, and, you know, same for Flute. And then we've got Sneaky Audrey, in parentheses, Audrey's Investigation, Sneaky Audrey Solo, and Sneaky Audrey Alternate. Week after that could give you nightmares if you're in the wrong frame of mind. It's the One-Armed Man theme, which is a solo clarinet improvisation. You know, that the one track is exactly what it says. And it's that really 
weird howling animalistic kind of thing like you know it's like what even what what instrument is this even you know it take it took me a long time to realize it was a clarinet but yeah it's it's just the creepy stuff that was in nightlife and twin peaks and everything else and ah it's great stuff but really creepy Next week, we got the Great Northern Bundle number two. It had eight tracks, which are Great Northern Big Band, Wedding Hymn, Wedding Song 1, Wedding Song 2, Stranger Nights, Wedding Song 3, Accordion, and Attack of the Pine Weasel, Great Northern Piano 2 number four, and Twin Peaks theme, Harp, which I assume Ben Horn was listening to when he was watching his old home movies. And I love that Attack of the Pine Weasel is probably the the one track that he added in that one particular episode. <laughs> uh, then we have the next bundle, Ben's Battle. It has five tracks of the Civil War period. We got Ben's Battle, solo percussion, solo flute, solo trumpet, and Ben's Lament. Another great one is the Black Lodge Bundle that came out the week after that. It's got seven tracks. It has Half Speed Orchestra 4, in parentheses Dugpas, Half Speed Orchestra 6, in parentheses Bob's Dance, slash Back to Missoula, Half Speed Orchestra 7. Then it has The Culmination, Distant Train, Laura's Dark Boogie, in parentheses Clean, and the red room so most of the rest of those were from fire walk with me but the red room is the back half of that season two cd track finally on its own and its own track just like dark mood woods next up we get love theme in parentheses dark it's just one track this week then there's a James and Evelyn bundle, which I'm sure <laughs> made a whole bunch of people go, ah, <laughs> but it's actually pretty good stuff. We've got James and Evelyn, Evelyn's Morning, Extended, La Speranza, which is that operatic kind of piece, which is apparently new music. I assume that it was from somebody's, you know, classical sound library back in the day, but no, I guess that's a battlemente. And then Trail Mix, which is kind of a meandering thing. It's not it's not cowboy double R kind of stuff like I thought it would be. It's um it's pretty moody and pretty great, honestly. Then we've got the next bundle, Dark Intro Bundle, which is that first part of Laura Palmer's theme all on its own. Uh, dark intros one through six. The next bundle is Packard's theme, which has the Packard's theme and the Mill Dirge. And now we're getting toward the end of these releases. We've got Odds and Ends Volume 1, which has nine tracks in it. It has Jean Renault's theme, in parentheses, solo bass clarinet, One-Eyed Jack's Country, Dick Tremaine's Swing, in parentheses, screen edit, and also Dick Tremaine's Swing Normal Edition. Then there's Llama Country, which I assume happened in the episode with the llama. Such things as dreams are made of, which is kind of the uh, the little chimey cue that happened in in the uh, season one finale. Earl's theme in parentheses Audrey's walk. Then Leo attacks Bobby, and the Pink Room extended version, which is six minutes and forty four seconds of the Pink Room song from Fire Walk with Me. Week after that, we get Odds and Ends Volume Two, which has seven tracks. It has Half Heart in parentheses solo, 
Dance of the Dream Man, original. Great Northern Piano Tune number two, full version. One-Armed Man's theme. And Jean Renault's theme, in parentheses, TV mix. And there's also Audrey, in parentheses, TV version. Voice of Love, in parentheses, slow. And Log Lady Present, which is a slowed down windy sound and higher register bell vibraphone tones, uh, probably from Fire Walk With Me. And I kind of read that a little bit weird on One Armed Man's theme and Sean Renault's theme TV mix. Like uh, they, they kind of used that creepy clarinet kind of thing with Jean Renault, too, which is an interesting choice and an interesting association. The week after that, we get Odds and Ends Volume 3, which has six tracks. Love Theme, in parentheses, Light. Wheeler's Theme, Take 2. Solo Percussion 4. Freshly Squeezed, Fast Cool Version 2, Clean. Solo Percussion, Arbitrary Symbols. And You Killed Mike. So one from Firewalk with me, the rest uh, from the series. And then we finally get to the end of this whole run of Firewood, where we get an ending, demos and more, which had 14 tracks in it. So it, it's the falling into love theme demo, love theme slower and darker demo, slow cool jazz demo, Chinese theme demo, wide vibrato augmented chords demo, night walk demo, low wide and beautiful demo, wide vibrato mood to falling demo. Love Theme to Falling Demo, Love Theme Light Demo, Questions in a World of Blue Demo, Love Theme from On the Air Take 4, and Slow Jazz Version of Love Theme from On the Air, and also for the On the Air Love Theme, Clarinet Strings. So yeah, it was a nice touch to end on the next thing that they all worked on. And yeah, just give a little bit of respect to the show that most people forget about right away. But yeah, that's a giant mouthful of music. And I hope you've had a chance to listen to all of it over the years. If not, again, you know, check them out. There, There's ways to find these things. And yeah, before we start really uh, analyzing it thematically and whatever else, it's time to hear some words from our fellow podcasters at the Ruminations Radio Network. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. All right, so welcome back. We are here to talk about the music of Twin Peaks again, and we're at our first big question, which is, what does the music's circular nature contribute to the show? So first of all, I want to talk about Mark Frost. He was on record in Reflections by Brad Duke saying, if the show were a boat moving along, Angela's music was the river that carried it. It helped create and support the mood of the show. It gave you a very specific sense of time and place that felt outside of real time and real place. It helped elevate the show into a mythological realm that really separated it from the usual TV view of what the world is. And I mean, that that's a really succinct, smart way to describe what 
what it specifically is about this stuff that makes it so otherworldly and like what that does. But I think some of that reason why it feels like there's a flow to it. I mean, it, it's him mentioning, you know, the, the from another place vibe that he's mentioning. I mean, I think that kind of comes from the selection of, and combination of all the instruments in this thing. I mean, you know, there's a whole bunch of real instruments, but, you know, then there are synths in the mix, too, in a very important place. And, you know, the some of the instruments run on wind and some run on electricity. So <laughs> it, it's it's. Uh, Apropos, and I think, um, you know, describing the music as the river that the show flows on, um, I, that river, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of assisted by how most everything is in C minor and, you know, able to blend from one idea to another. And it just flows quickly and easily because it can, because it's built that way. And also the fact that everything's in C minor and like most of these little sound cues don't exactly resolve the way you think they could because they need to be able to blend into something different. It gives this impression that it's circular. It gives a, an impression that like the chord never closes. You know, it's like the the um, the cycle doesn't exactly satisfy the way music typically does. It's like it, it's it's always like yearning for more trying to connect with more that it, it it's it doesn't even have an intention of exactly what it wants to connect to it just knows that it can and you know it gives the idea that you know the ideas in the music don't end you know it just it just restarts and you know feeds itself in loops it's kind of like how the laura palmer theme shifts through its four cues over and over if you wanted it to it goes up it goes down it goes up it goes down you know the the circular technique in particular it reminds me of video game music from the day which was you know what i was majorly absorbing at the time and you know that that loops the same way because you know there, there's only so much data that you could fit on a game cartridge in the first place so you can only have about 30 to 45 seconds of a music segment that needed to loop over and over and over because nobody knew how long the player would be playing a level or anything or you know like if the player died it needed to stop and uh, you know like it or you know if the player doesn't die in the level then it just has to keep going and going and going and going until it finishes you know none of which was set to any particular time frame so it needed to be repetitive but also not too repetitive so um yeah like the the game music it it helps bring the experience of the gamer into the world a little bit more you know it's like the the music absorbs the the player into the game and you know the this music in all this firewood helps kind of pull in people into twin peaks as well and the fact that we hear some of these sound cues over and over again each time the ideas are repeated but it's the same kind of melody most of the time and uh, you know it's like we're more familiar with it the more often we hear it and we're able to recognize more of it too so like every time it cycles back around um we're able to hear it the way we heard it the first time but also understanding more of the nuance to the performance or the instrumentation or whatever and you know like 
the the familiarity of the music where we can kind of like hum along with how it's going and everything. I mean, it, it works a lot like how we instinctively watch Twin Peaks over and over again. I know I'm not the only viewer who's watched it umpteen times that you can't even keep track of the count anymore. You know, there's a ton of us out there. And, you know, there's always more there's always more things to spot, you know, something new. And the music is no different. And it's got a kind of a meditative vibe, too. You know, the, the repetitions of uh, of the melodies is kind of like a repetition of a mantra, almost. And it works pretty well with the way the TM works with David Lynch's life. And it just all makes you want to re-listen to the music and go back to the beginning, just like the ending of any Twin Peaks part makes you want to start all over again at the pilot. Okay, well, we're on to the next question, which is, what motifs are used with which different characters and instruments, and what do the associations add? So what I'm talking about here is, you know, whose theme is also what melody or, you know, what their particular instrument is. You know, there's a Peter and the Wolf style way where instruments are associated with certain things sometimes. Like, you know, Laura Palmer's theme is all synths, but then when the melody's played with a flute, that means it's the love theme. So in a way, the flute is associated with love. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier about how Caroline and Laura Palmer's theme are sort of associated together for a little bit and what that can mean for Cooper, that sort of thing. And that sort of thing in particular is kind of like how if Laura Palmer's theme is playing with Dale Cooper, there's a thing about a darker place, the stuff that Dale Cooper might not be able to solve or answer, maybe. And then I know a long time ago, I think it was in the season one episodes, I talked about Audrey Horn's theme, you know, Audrey's dance is made of equal parts freshly squeezed, which is her own version of Dance of the Dream Man, and also Dark Introduction from the Laura Palmer theme. So she's also associated with Laura Palmer's darker side of the motif. You know, it's an interesting thing about how the show saw Audrey's importance, because like she's she's like aligned with Dale in the um in the Dance of the Dream Man motif, but it's also, you know, vibraphones is kind of her instrument for a little bit because that's the instrument playing with her music. But then having that Laura Palmer, you know, the the dark introduction section of the Laura Palmer theme in her song, you know, it it implies it's not going to go well for her, too, and that she's in the dark side of things. But that's kind of apropos of how Audrey actually kind of took over a bunch of motifs, because all the jazzy cues on the pilot's call sheets, the songs are all named after the boys. You know, that that's in Norelli's book on the, on the original soundtrack. You know, it's like there's names like Cool, Cool Kyle, Bobby's theme. But, you know, Audrey took over both of those, basically, for the most part. You know, th- those those would still be used for, you know, the more playful side of Twin Peaks, but, you know, they'd be named after Audrey now. And it's kind of like how Audrey's Prayer took over the love theme when the Laura love theme cue got retired after episode 16. And not to mention, there's two tracks on the season one soundtrack and two tracks on the season two soundtrack named after her. Though I will say the the motif, the that one, that was, that's always been her motif, her battle mente. 
Now, yeah, the Dance of the Dream Man melody, that's shared by Audrey, Cooper, and the little man from another place. There's dream adjacency to all three of them. You know, especially looking at season three, Audrey, you know, like since part 12 of The Return. It seems that maybe that melody is all about intuition seeming to rule over the melody. And I know that's that's sort of true because the sax player recorded that whole improvisation as if he thought he was just practicing. And then Lynch and Battlemente said, no, that is it. And um, they kept that. And that became kind of codified melody played by multiple instruments. So it kind of makes sense that that would be the melody associated most with intuition and with Dale and, in a way, Audrey and the Red Room. And yeah, I talked about Audrey's instrument kind of being the vibraphones in a way. And in Dance of the Dream Man, it's the saxophone, which appears to be Dale's instrument as well as the little man's. So there's definitely a connection with saxophone to the Red Room in particular. And, you know, that brand of intuition and dream logic. Now, the main Twin Peaks theme that came from Falling by by Julie Cruz, that song, you know, sure, Audrey's Prayer took over a lot of the love theme stuff. But then when we're talking about like truer than true kind of love, like with Ed and Norma, the, the Twin Peaks theme took over for their love theme because they are, you know, like a one true pairing, according to Lynch and um, everybody else on the set. You know, it, it, part 15 would have never happened without everybody believing that these two were destined for each other. So, like, when there's important things that are, you know, truer than, you know, the, the truest true, you get things with the Twin Peaks theme playing behind it at the end. So, yeah, I find it interesting that the thing bringing, bringing you into the show has something to do with that song. And it kind of goes, goes into our next question, which is, how do David Lynch's lyrics steer the tone of the music? And, yeah, it all kind of starts from the oddness and the lack of rhyme scheme that Battlemente initially bounced off of. But it adds to the dreaminess of the things, the impressionism, the way how it really leads to how things feel internally. And yeah, what's so true about falling? Okay, so Cruz initially says, don't let yourself be hurt this time at the beginning of the song when it's with her vocals. So that's like people trying to protect themselves. Then I saw your face, then I saw your smile. And yeah, okay, so she sees someone and something changes and it gets triumphant and the vibes for the chorus one just really really feel like you're soaring and the sky is still blue the clouds come and go yet something is different are we falling in love and then it goes back down into don't let yourself get hurt this time so you know it's like you you see someone smiling you can look up and you can see the sky, but you know the feelings. The feeling is just about things that you can see when you're first looking, and you know the distance is closing between the two people, and it closes more in the second verse. You know, then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still sh and then it gets back into being triumphant again once once these two people actually connect physically and you know the stars still shine bright the mountains still high yet something is different are we falling in love so it's it's looking at like what's in what's in the sky 
on the horizon of the sky rather than just, you know, the sky itself. You know, we're looking deeper, just like you're connecting deeper when you're physically touching someone. And when that happens, it goes into that new section of the song, you know, the falling, falling, are we falling in love, which is repeated a couple of times. There's a cycle of emotions that gets deeper and closer and more refined while still circling through the same path of song chords uh, multiple times. But with deeper understanding each time, with deeper belief in the feelings, you know, more concrete versions of what you're not quite sure of when you're asking the question, are we falling in love? And, you know, then it circles back to the beginning, like it could keep going, getting closer and closer each time, just like when we watch Twin Peaks. So, yeah, I can see why that would be played when people are most earnest in the show. And, you know, I, I can officially see with the lyrics why that officially kind of became Ed and Norma's song, too. Now, next song that appears in the show is The Nightingale. You know, Ed and Norma are at the, at the, at the roadhouse. You know, Donna shows up there. Um, you know, so does everybody else at the end of the pilot. When there's supposed to be a curfew in play, and Julie Cruz is essentially singing out the vibes of the town right then, reacting to Laura's death. And a brawl erupts during this, during it all, too. As far as the lyrics, we've got a nightingale. It's said to me, there is a love meant for me. A nightingale, it flew to me and told me that it found my love. He said, one day I'll meet you. Our hearts will fly with the nightingale. He told me one day you will be with me. And then it cycles right back to the beginning part, the nightingale. He said he knew that your love would find my love one day. My heart flies with the nightingale through the night all across the world. I long to see you, to touch you, to love you forevermore. So yeah, what is a nightingale, first of all? It's an old world thrush known for the sweet, usually nocturnal song of the male, which is in play here. And it also gives me a 50s vibe. And I mean, essentially, it's like you can hear your person, you can hear your song, but you can't be with them is the gist of this. Like, you know, like that, one day maybe, and it's really nice that you can feel the song, but it's not close enough. And, you know, like there's a longing for the songbird. And, you know, that could have easily been Laura. Next time we hear the song, it's into the night. You know, it's playing in the cabin over and over, in Jacques' cabin, since the night Laura died, on repeat. Just blaring to the animals, to everyone who's within earshot, which is apparently not very many people. And the words are, into the night, I cry out, I cry out your name. I search out, I search out your love. Night so dark, where are you? Come back in my heart. So dark, so dark. And in the second verse, when it loops back to the beginning vibes, into the night, shadows fall, shadows fall so blue. There's blue again. I cry out, I cry out for you. Night so dark, where are you? Come back in my heart. And then like toward the end of the song right here, those orchestra hits, the, the really strong, <laughs> heavy-duty volume orchestra hits. And then Ju Julie Cruz just says, so dark, so dark, so dark. So, I mean, this could easily be about Laura and about what Laura is feeling 
and it's what the investigators are doing. But, you know, this is soul level stuff. I mean, it's um, it's kind of the embodiment of, you know, looking for Laura, who isn't there anymore, who kind of fell into the night. And, you know, it's this mournful thing that's like shouting from the cabin externally, you know, kind of embodying what's happening. After the first chorus, we get a little bit of minimal guitar sound. And, you know, I think when the orchestra overpowers for that one moment with those three notes, it's almost like that's when Laura was killed. And, like, there's no point even calling out for her anymore. All you can do is acknowledge how dark it is. And, you know, now there's just you, which is, you know, just you and I together forever in love. You know, we go strolling together, all that stuff. But, I mean, you know, it's it's just a 50s doo-wop song, basically. But, you know... It becomes a bittersweet vibe for it, despite sounding like a 50s ballad, because he's got these two backup singers. So it's like it's more about the staging of the song within the show that makes it anything more than just saccharine, because, you know, we've got Maddie and Donna kind of trying to become the one that is you in the song. You know, it's like I is James. And yeah, it's like but it's a trio. And because it's a trio instead of a duo, the song isn't forever like it wants to say. You know, it, it's it's wishful, it, it's wishful, it's hopeful. You know, it, it's just a, a wouldn't it be nice dream rather than reality. And of course, that becomes James and Donna's theme <laughs> after a certain point. And yeah, like they they obviously don't go very far. So it's definitely like wish fulfillment rather than reality. Now, probably the biggest gut punch in the whole song is the world spins. You know, it has that low guitar, the um, the same sound that's that's in falling and the uh, the Twin Peaks theme, along with the really high keyboard arpeggio notes. You know, there's a droning and beautiful and looping vibe to all of that. And the song lyrics we have are moving near the edge of night. Dust is dancing in the space. A dog and bird flew. Uh, a dog and bird are far away. The sun comes up and down each day. Light, the light and shadow change their walls. Haley's comet come and gone. The things I touch are made of stone. You know, the things she touches cannot change percept- perceptively, but they do over time. But, you know, they, they feel strong as can be here. You know, th- okay, uh, things I touch are made of stone, falling through the night alone. And then it goes into the chorus, love, don't go away, come back this way, come back and stay forever and ever, please stay. So, you know, there's all the longing and the yearning and the 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 pleading with something that probably can't come true then we have the the chorus where you know d- dust is dancing in the space a dog and bird are far away the sun comes up and down each day and like that's interesting to me because it's like the second third and fourth of of four things are now the first second and third parts of this verse and um it ends with the river flows out to the sea and, you know, the river is what Laura was on. And the river is also the thing that will most easily change things made of stone with enough time. 
know, there's an inevitable feeling to this song. You know, it's there's an inability to control it. The flow of the river is unstoppable. It is natural. But, you know, we call out anyway when it leaves, no matter how we may know otherwise, because we're a human being as part of this flow of, you know, ebb and flow. And, you know, things won't change until they do. And then we beg for them not to. <laughs> yeah, that, it, it goes into the, the, the chorus again. Love, don't go away. Come back this way. Come back and stay forever and ever. Please stay. The world spins. So, you know, is this is this song kind of a lesson at that point? You know, af after Maddie dies, is it, you know, like what we're supposed to get out of our perspective within the grand scheme of things? Is the song a comfort because, you know, we, we put ourselves in perspective? You know, after we see what's happening and we watch it happen, is this song our voice, the viewer's voice, our voice in what is cyclically happening in Twin Peaks? And when we finally see something happen that, you know, otherwise felt like it was a little more set in stone. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going with the fact that, you know, Lynch designed all this exactly. But like I, I feel like he feels the energy in these songs and, you know, the energy's contribute toward kind of what i'm talking about here rather than being you know literal word paragraphs of explanation you know it's like it's just like this song has this sort of energy for this sort of a moment i don't know man now we're back to sycamore trees which i did talk about in our last analysis episodes but you know there's still more to specifically talk about like i know this song was originally meant to be in ronnie rocket at a certain level like it, it was a it was a poem that was going to be a song within that screenplay if it was ever turned into a film and you know okay so it wasn't originally meant to be in episode 29 but then lynch absolutely puts it there when he's installing the red room stuff so you know what, what what's the thing about ronnie rocket it has this vibe about multiple states of reality or energy kind of existing and there's like you know one thing in a world and one inside the electricity or in the flow of electricity so like a non-physical reality but also there's this vibe you know i'll see you in the trees you know it feels like it goes back to the nightingale in a way but, you know, this time it's masculine energy with Jimmy Scott singing it. So it's like maybe he is the nightingale. And, you know, instead of, um, you know, Julie Cruz telling us about a nightingale singing to her and now she's singing something to kind of react to it. Like this is the nightingale direct. You know, like we're we're a little bit closer, kind of like how in Falling you know, it starts out with seeing someone and then you get to kiss the someone and you get to touch the someone. You know, it's like we're, we're getting closer and closer cyclically um, right at the end of the show. And, you know, we, we have lyrics here. You know, it's like I got idea, man. You take me for a walk under the sycamore trees, the dark trees that blow, baby, in the dark trees that blow. And I'll see you and you'll see me and I'll see you in the branches that blow in the breeze. I'll see you in the trees. I'll see you in the trees under the sycamore trees. And, um, you know, it repeats, you know, it, it, it takes an instrumental break at this point with the saxophone. And um, then it starts all over again. I got it, you know, with the, um, you know, and I'll see you 
and you'll see me and I'll see you in the trees, the branches, the blow. So it strikes me that like, because this was kind of a song that was going to be like associated with the electricity and it's absolutely associated with the red room here, you know, is, is this kind of like creativity as well? The, the seed that it grows from is idea. You know, I've got idea, man. So the creativity can grow from it. And yeah, I mean, the, it's it's like th- this is the song that the Twin Peaks Nightingale sings to people, you know, rather than rather than being off to the side. We're in that scene now. And it's all about the creativity that can grow from hearing the song. And, you know, we, we asked the question in falling, you know, it's like, are we falling in love? You know, what is the are we doing? when we're hearing the sycamore trees you know for dale he ends up splitting and um becoming a good dale and a bad dale (laughs) and um that's what happened to him when he heard this song but you know what happens to us but like most things in twin peaks it's more about the questions and feeling the answers within ourselves rather than actually like trying to codify everything and you know take the um the intuition out of it i don't know it's um it's vibey you know it's like the vibes are what's most important about the music and i feel like i've probably talked it enough at this point because there's nothing to officially codify it it, it, it's just like a key that unlocks things within us and it's that secret sauce that makes us feel the truth of the answers that we kind of reach for every time we watch twin peaks and yeah, I mean, this, like, like Mark Frost said, you know, this is the stuff that carries the mythology and carries us along with it. And, you know, yeah, it carried, it carried, um, Laura down the river too, but it also has the fish where you're supposed to catch the next big ideas. And, um, sometime the idea, man, grows into something bigger. And yeah, we're going to talk about, how the end of Twin Peaks decided to grow a movie from it. And, you know, we're, we're going to look into Fire Walk With Me. But, you know, that's going to be a little while. And I've got a few ideas about what I'm going to do in the uh, in the break that we're going to have here. So I'm going to try to show up like, you know, about, l- let's say, at least monthly uh, for a little while with a few things and um yeah i won't talk about it here because i'm still kind of growing it in the garden so to speak but um yeah as of right now i'm just going to do the sign off so you have been listening to the blue rose task force podcast a production of ruminations radio network if you resonate with what you're hearing please subscribe rate and review our show and we would love to connect with you on our various social media accounts we've i'm barely on facebook counter social and tribal uh slightly more active on twitter at blue rose tf pod but if you really want to find me i'm active on instagram threads and blue sky at blue rose task force and at tumblr i'm going to be a little bit more active at blue rose task force pod Please visit ruminationsradionetwork.com or our YouTube channel for additional great shows such as Cinephile Hissy Fit and Brevity Box. Find any number of classic 25YL Twin Peaks articles, including my entire Electricity Nexus column at 25yearslaterside.com. And if you want me to make another mailbag episode, which technically we're right at the <laughs> at the moment for, 
you know, send any comments, questions, or feedback to Blue Rose Task Force Podcast at gmail.com or catch me with it on any of the socials. And um, yeah, I think that's the next thing we're going to be doing as long as you work with me. So please help me on this one. <laughs> but, you know, next time, if it's not a mailbag episode, it's going to be related to Firewalk with me. So we will see you then. And until then, listeners, I'll see you in my dreams.